Good to see you guys today. Thank you so much for being here with us. You know, I heard a story about a guy that uh, brought his brown bag lunch every day with him to work. How many of you have packed a lunch different seasons in your life? Yes. He'd pack his little brown bag lunch every day, take it to work, and uh, every day it was the same story. He would always complain about his lunch before he ate it. He'd be sitting around with his friends. He'd be like, oh, man, same old bologna sandwich, same old chips, same old drink, same old brown bag lunch. Next day, same story. Man, same old chips, same old bologna sandwich, same old... Just every day, complain, complain, complain. Nah, 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 nah. And finally, some of his coworkers who were sitting around, they were on a lunch break with him, they're like, listen, bro, you are always complaining about your lunch. Why don't you tell your wife to pack you something different? And he looked right at him. He said, you leave my wife out of it. I make my own lunch. <laughs> and I want to remind you today, friends, we make our own lunch. We make our own lunch. And if you're in a place right now in your life where you're constantly negative, where you're complaining about everything, where it's just sort of na, 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 then just stop and stand back and ask yourself, what am I filling my bag with? What am I filling my life with? Because that's what's overflowing out of my life. If you fill your bag, so to speak, with just the news and news media, you're going to be filled with fear. If you fill your bag with just social media and pictures of other people and their lives, you may be filled with a little bit of envy, maybe even some jealousy, some frustration. If you just sort of fill your bag by looking around at our culture and things going on in our world, you're going to be disappointed. But I want to suggest to you today that if we will fill our bag with the character of God and the promises of God, if we will hang on to him in our lives, it will fill us with hope. We can be hopeful because God is faithful. We can be hopeful because God is faithful. And over the next five weeks, I want to talk to you about the power of hope in our lives. I had a friend of mine, he, um, he said, Judd, you know, I, I, a couple weeks ago, he said, when I walk into church, he said, it's weird. It's like the, I take a deep breath and I remind myself that this is the only place I'm going to go this week where I am confident I'm going to hear something that is honest that is hopeful, and that is grounded in God's truth. And he said, the weird thing about living in this culture right now is he goes, it's literally the only place I go where I feel like I have some basic confidence that what I hear will be honest and truthful and hopeful. And so we're going to dig into why the best is still to come in our lives. And it's not because, uh, you know, it's just the power of positive thinking or just being optimistic. It's because God is still moving and God is still good and God is still gracious. God is still in control. And that's what we can hang on to, to fill us with hope, even when life 
is hard. And so this is going to be a great teaching series to invite some friends to come along with you. Next weekend, we've got our kids extravaganza across our locations. We're going to have a lot of fun for the family. Kids can wear their costumes. It's going to be a great time. It's a great time to bring somebody along who may be hurting, going through some things in their life just so they can get some hope and some encouragement. And then in about a week and a half, November 4th, uh, Thursday night, right here in the Central Henderson Auditorium, we've got our Central Live album recorded which is just going to be amazing. And that's just a time to set a night aside during the week and come and declare God's goodness in our lives and all that he's done. I'm so proud of our team. I mean, they're incredibly talented. They write amazing songs. But I always um, am just moved by how these songs really represent our faith journey over the last season. And I believe these songs are special because they represent God's faithfulness to us in a really difficult season that we've all come through together. So we're going to come together that Thursday night, November. November 4th and declare God's goodness with all of our hearts. Some of you are like, yeah, that's cool, but I can't really sing. And I'm afraid if I come and I sing real loud, it could get on the live recording and I could mess it up. <laughs> and if that's you, I just want you to put, put your fear to ease because that's me. I can't, I can't hold a note. People are always like, you have this deep, low voice, bro. You should sing. I'm like, oh, you don't want to go there. <laughs> God made this one to speak, not to sing. Right? But I'll still come and sing with all my heart, and they can mix me out, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm going to be there and be present, and I want to encourage you to be too. If you haven't gotten your tickets yet, it is a ticketed event, and so you can just go to this QR code. Uh, you can go to central.family. You can purchase tickets. Um, the ticket cost goes to cover the recording of the live album and all that's sort of involved with that. Anything above and beyond that will go to support our food relief efforts through Hope for the City. So it's a great opportunity to not only help others, but to come and worship and declare God's goodness. This coming a week and just a little over a week, week and a half, Thursday night, November 4th, make sure to be here. So there's a lot of cool things going on. But today I want you to reflect on a simple question with me and think about the reasons for our hope. And as we do it, I'm going to give some of you an opportunity at the end of our experience to be baptized if you've never been baptized. So I just want to plant that in your heart right now. Somebody here today, you just showed up at church. You weren't really thinking about being baptized, but I think this could be your day and it could be an awesome, awesome moment for you in your life. More on that. I'm just planting that seed. Um, there's a question that you see throughout the Bible. It's a pretty profound question if you sit with it. It's simple, but it's profound. We see it in the book of Genesis, but we really see it go all through the whole Bible into the New Testament. And it's a question that God himself often asks his people. And the question is this, is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? We see that question first kind of pop up in the book of Genesis. Uh, there's these amazing people in Genesis, Abraham and Sarah. They're incredible people of faith. And God comes to them and gives them this promise. He says, listen, you're going to be a great nation. I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to bless you. And through you, I'm going to bless all the nations of the world. God even says to Abraham, look up at the stars of the sky. As numerous as the stars are, so will your descendants be. I'm 
mean, that's pretty awesome, right? Pretty amazing promise. And we know that initially Abraham latched onto that promise and believed it. Check this out. Genesis 15, beginning in verse 6. When we get to the red words, say it real loud here with me. It says, and Abram, what? Believed. He believed the Lord and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. There's a famous verse in the Bible, runs all the way through into the New Testament. Abraham is counted as righteous or right standing with God, not simply based on his moral choices, but based on his faith that he believed God would be true to his promise and his character. And it was counted to him as righteousness, right? So Abraham believed. But here's the thing. After the years begin to go by, things get more and more difficult. Abraham and Sarah are unable to have a child. They're wrestling with infertility. That's a problem when God's promises, you're going to have descendants that are as numerous as the stars in the sky. Well, hello, God. How about one? Right? Maybe we could just start with one. And it wasn't like they could go consult medical professionals in that time or go to doctor. And so the years begin to go, God, God's made this promise. He's going to bless them. He's going to work in their life. But then they can't have a child. And one year turns to two, two years turns to five, five years turns to 10, 10 years turns to 20, 25 years after the promise God's made, God makes to his people until the fulfillment of that promise. Can you imagine 25 years of frustration and struggle? Some of you can imagine because you've been living your own 25 years of frustration and struggle. And some of you live that 25 years in 25 months. But I want to encourage you today that just like Abraham and Sarah, God wants to bless his people. I believe that we share in Abraham's blessing that through him and ultimately through Christ, that we too will be blessed, that we'll be impacted by the goodness of God. I believe God is still for you and still wants to move and work in your life. And I want to talk to you today about how we can have hope because nothing is too hard for him. But if we're going to do that, first thing we've got to do that Abraham and Sarah had to do is we have to receive the promise, receive the promise that God has given us in his word. I was walking along with my wife a while back and she said something in the midst of a conversation and she said, all, kind of out of nowhere, I just heard her say, um, uh, what do you think? How many times have you had that moment where you realize I have no idea what you just said, but I heard that last part. And you know, the safe answer is, well, I don't know. What do you think? Right? Come on. You know you've worked that angle. What do you think? You tell me. Or I'll be standing there and Lori will, will, will say, uh, like recently, she's like, hey, so-and-so's coming into town and they're staying with us this weekend. Don't forget. I'm like, what? You didn't tell me this. This would be significant. She's like, no, we, we talked about this weeks ago. I told you they were going to be coming in, staying into town on this weekend. You said, totally cool. You even looked at your calendar. I'm like, no, I did not. You're mistaken. That wasn't me. And then she gets real specific, which is very sort of disconcerting in that moment. She's like, no, it was like three and a half weeks ago and Survivor was being, has been recorded and it was playing on the TV behind us and I'm standing in the kitchen. I'm like, oh, maybe this really did happen. <laughs> and so 
sometimes like we hear things, but we don't really hear things, right? Sometimes they bounce off of us. Well, Abraham and Sarah, God made this promise to them. They're going to have a child. And then like years go by and disappointment and hurt and frustration. And God comes to Abraham and Sarah. He comes to Sarah the fourth time to reiterate this promise. And here's what we see in Genesis chapter 18, beginning in verse 12. It says, so she, what? Laughed. She laughed silently to herself. She's like, all right, God, you're still on that line. He says, how could a worn out woman like me enjoy such pleasure? Especially when my master, my husband is also so old. <laughs> Can you, I mean, at this time, Sarah's 90, Abraham's 100. Hello. Can you even imagine a 100-year-old dude walking down the diaper aisle at the grocery store? <laughs> right? Trying to put the baby, the diaper genie together. Trying to, like, assemble the stroller. And I think Sarah laughs. Not because it's funny. I think because she's heartbroken. And the years have gone by. And the promise, as she understood it, has not been fulfilled and she's got a broken heart and she's like, okay, sure, whatever, God. Now don't get too hard on Sarah because a chapter earlier we read that Abraham did the same thing. Just to level the playing field, right? Uh, Genesis chapter 17, beginning in verse 7. We already read how Abraham believed, but it says, Then Abraham bowed down to the ground, but he laughed to himself in what? Disbelief. You see that? This is the father of faith, the great Abraham, filled with faith, sort of. How could I become a father at the age of 100, he thought. And how can Sarah have a baby when she is 90 years old? They're just looking around and they're like, this is physically impossible. There's no way that this can happen. And I think we all understand that in our lives. In Genesis chapter 18, beginning in verse 13, let's look at this scripture. Abraham doesn't let it go later when Sarah laughs. And then the Lord said to Abraham, or God doesn't let it go. The Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, can an old woman like me have a baby? Now, here's the question. Is anything, what, too hard for the Lord? That's a question you're going to see come up again and again and again. It's a question the prophets will ask the nation of Israel. It's a question that God himself will ask Mary as she wrestles with the birth of Jesus. Is anything too hard for the Lord? And it's a question when you sit with it. <clears throat> it can start to fill you with a sense of hope because you realize, look, things may be difficult, they may be challenging, but God hasn't abandoned me, he hasn't left me, and nothing is too hard for the Lord. No matter what you're facing, listen, it is not too hard for the Lord. You say, I'm never gonna get a handle on my debt. Well, is anything too hard for the Lord? I'm never gonna find a meaningful job. Well, is anything too hard for the Lord? I'll never get over this addiction. It's too late for me to change. It's impossible to move on. Listen, is anything too hard for the Lord? Some of you say things will never get back to normal. Is anything too hard for the Lord? 
Listen, no matter what your anything is, it is not impossible because nothing is too hard for the Lord. His power and his presence is greater than your problem. And so if you're frustrated, you're discouraged, you're down this week, I just want you to hang on to that question and just sit with it. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Receive that sense of God's goodness and purpose for you in your life and think about his promises. God's made all kinds of promises throughout the Bible, but, but I'm just going to give sort of some broad categories here. I'm not going to give you a bunch of Bible verses, but this is kind of a framework when we're thinking about the different problems that we face. Somebody right now may be thinking, thinking, look, I, I won't have enough. And you're worried about that. And the anxiety is ramping up. And if all you do is watch the news, I promise you, it doesn't matter how good things may be or bad things may be, they'll convince you you'll never have enough because they sell fear, right? And fear drives so many things in our lives. So we think, man, I'll never have enough. I'll never have enough energy. I'll never have enough skill. I'll never have enough time. I'll never have enough money. There'll never be enough. And sometimes we just got to go back and rest on the promise of God that I will provide. He will provide for his people. Seek first the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything you need. He's going to provide for you and move in your life. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Here's another problem we may face. Somebody, somebody may be thinking my future's ruined. You know, my, the economy's ruined, the government's ruined, the, the, uh, you know, the, the, my job situation's ruined, my kids are ruined, my marriage is ruined, my knee's ruined. My knee is kind of ruined. But the promise of God is my plans still stand. No matter what we're facing in our life, God is still moving and working. You think about this last season, all that we faced in our lives. Um, I mean, again and again, God's plans have stood. In fact, when you think about it, just our own, our own journey over the last year and a half, the church has survived through the centuries through persecution, um, it has survived through pandemics. It has survived through plagues. It survived through all kinds of oppression. In fact, Jesus himself said, the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. And so God's plans are going to stand. That doesn't mean our life's going to be easy. It doesn't mean we're, gonna not, we're not going to face challenges or difficulties or even persecution or even death. But it means even in those things, God's presence will be with us and his purpose and plans still stand and that can fill us with hope. Here's another. Somebody says, you know, I, I just, I don't, I don't feel like I'm safe. My life feels so uncertain. There are so many things that are up in the air. But the promise of God is this, I will be with you. It's the promise mentioned more often than any other promise throughout the entire Bible. In fact, God's ultimate response to our problems is his presence. He says, I will be with you. That's all you need to know. I'm with you. Doesn't mean he's going to take the problem away. Doesn't mean it's just all of a sudden going to be easy, but God will be with you in the middle of it. Somebody right now, you say, you know what? I'm feeling overwhelmed. And you look out to the future and you think, I'll be overwhelmed. It's inevitable. It's coming. But God's promise is this. Look, I will send my spirit. My spirit will fill you with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. My spirit will empower you to face the stuff 
that you're facing in your life. And here's why this is important. Every day we make our own lunch. Every day we choose what messages we're going to hang on to, what messages we're going to believe, what messages we're going to carry in our lives. What would your week look like this week if every morning you got up and you just reminded yourself, is anything too hard for the Lord? And God has promised that he will be with me in my problems, that he will send his spirit to guide me. I'm not alone in all of this. He has promised that he will provide for me and take care of me. I'm going to receive that promise. And I'm going to hear it and let it go deep into my heart. Change your whole attitude. I know the problems are real. But listen, your problems are no match for your God. Your problems are temporary, but his promises are forever. Your problems are not in control. God is in control. He may not show up on your schedule. He may not show up in a way that you expected or wanted. You may even, like Sarah, feel like you have a broken heart, but a broken heart doesn't mean God has broken his promise. In some ways, it just means the best is still on the way. Receive the promise and then walk according to the promise. Walk in the promise in your life. This last year, I thought I broke my foot. I was convinced I broke it. I couldn't put any weight on it. I was limping around everywhere. It was bad. So I finally decided to go to the doctor. And I'm one of those people that, like, if I decide to go to the doctor, I'm convinced it's broke. Otherwise, I'll just wait it out with Advil. And it was COVID and all of that. So I'm like, I'm going to the doctor because I think I broke my foot. So I go, they x-ray it. And the bottom line is they're like, you didn't break your foot. I'm like, seriously, do we need to do this again? Because I think I broke my foot. No, you didn't break your foot. In fact, the doctor tells me like, all you need to do is you need to do stretching exercises every day because what's happened is your calf muscle has tensed up so much that it's actually starting to pull your foot in. I'm like, you're telling me all I have to do is stretch and this will get better? 100%, right? Like, that's all you need to do. So I immediately felt better when I walked out. I noticed I was like, hey, well, I think it's feeling better already. <laughs> you know, when you know it's not broke, you're like, hey, I think I'm good, man. And then I just started doing the stretches. And it took me a while. You know, I, 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 I had to focus on it. I had, to, I had to do this all the time to stretch my calf muscle out. You know, do, I'm standing on the steps, you know, forever with my feet up trying to stretch my calf out. I had to be careful about wearing the right shoes to have the right support. But here's the thing. Like, in that season, for the first time in a long time, I wasn't taking walking for granted. Have you noticed how we often take things for granted? Like, like walking, it's a simple thing until you can't do it and then you're like bro this is not good this is really hard to navigate some of you navigate this on and off your you know it, throughout your lives I had taken a lot of things for granted you made me a lot more grateful just to be able to get up and walk to the kitchen or limp to the kitchen over time it started to get better because I did the work and because I did the work I eventually got to a place where I go a whole day and not think about how much my foot hurt. And then I went two days, didn't even think about it. Then three days, because now it was a habit, right? Like now I'm just, and pretty soon I didn't think about it at all. Now I said to Lori recently, I said, you remember when I thought my foot was broke? Because I was now walking and I had moved forward. And I think when it comes to God's promises, we got to be willing to do the work. 
The work implies not only understanding in our head the promises and saying, I believe that, but every day spending a few minutes meditating on God's promises, thinking about them, even speaking them out loud to yourself, memorizing them in your life, reshaping how you think. You got to give God more than 30 minutes on Sunday. If you really want his word to transform your heart and your life at a deep level. And to start changing how you're thinking about things in your life, it can fill you with hope even when life is hard. Look at this, Genesis 21, beginning in verse 1, it says, The Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. Y'all, this is a theme throughout the Bible. God does exactly what he promised. And then it says she became pregnant and she gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. And this happened at just the what? You see that? Just the time that God had said it would. Not Sarah's time, but God's time. The promise involved a process. And God, I believe, wants to bless us in our life, but it doesn't always look like we think it ought to look. And it doesn't always happen on the time frame that we think it ought to happen, right? Sometimes the promise involves a process. But the good news is God can always do something new through something old. Listen, he can do something new through something old. Not just old people like Abraham and Sarah, but old problems and old situations. In fact, listen, it may be the same job that you're facing in your life, but God can do something new. It may be the same old family, but God can do something new. It may be the same old dream, but God can do something new. Or the same old situation, God can do something new. Listen, it may be the same old Raiders, but God can do something something new. The same old struggles, but he can do something new. And we can be filled with hope when we sit back from our everyday life and we go, wow, look at all that God has done and look at what he could do. Is anything too hard for the Lord? No. Therefore, I have every right to be hopeful. It's not optimism. It's not blind. It's more than that. It's a hope that is grounded in my faith that says God's got it. The best is still to come. When you walk in his promises, everything can change, even if nothing changes. Listen, walking in his promise is going to make every day better. You're going to be open to more opportunities. You're going to see God moving and working in your life. You're going to go through the, the hard things, but you'll interpret them in a way that God is still in control. When you see them, it's going to make you a better spouse, a better friend, a better employee. It's going to make you hopeful in your life. And so if you're going through problems, you can walk in the promise. And that's ultimately where you'll find joy. Look at what happened to Sarah and Abraham, how she sums it up. Genesis 21, verse 6. Sarah declared, God has brought me laughter. All who hear about this will what? Laugh with me. Now here's what's cool. God tells them to name their son when she gets pregnant finally, Isaac, which in Hebrew means he laughs. It's like every time they were to look at this baby boy that they had waited 25 years for. Every time they were to look at the impossible that had come true in their life, 
They were to be reminded not only how they once laughed in broken heartedness, but how God can turn the bitter years into joy, how God can turn the struggle and how God can fill us with laughter again. Friends, this week, we make our own lunch. We bring with us the things that shape our heart, our attitude, our mind. And so we can be hopeful when we anchor into God's promise, receive his promise, walk according to his promise, and let God fill you with his goodness. And maybe you're here today, and maybe a part of that journey for you is taking a step of baptism. Baptism is a picture of the promise of God to forgive us of our sins. And ultimately, it's the promise that we look forward to of eternal life. When you're baptized, you go down in the water, you go under the water for a second, and you come up out of the water. Okay, that's all baptism is. Um, But the spiritual significance is this. Paul in Romans 6 says, we're buried with Christ in baptism, and we rise again to walk in new life. So the idea is Jesus came and died on a cross for us and he was placed in a tomb. And then we believe through faith that he rose again um, after three days. And so when you're baptized, you go under the water. But the picture is you're buried with Christ. And then you come up out of the water. And it's a picture of faith that you will walk in new life, not only in this life, but in the life to come. When you look through like the book of Acts in the New Testament, you realize that the first thing the early followers of Jesus did after they believed and placed their faith and trust in Christ is it says they were baptized. And so I just want to give some of you an opportunity to be baptized today. You don't have to have everything worked out. You don't have to have brought a change of clothes. You don't need towels. You don't need to worry about your hair. You don't need like, all all you need to do is have an open heart. We have all of those things for you. We'll provide all of that for you. Um, But if you have an open heart today and you know God has been working in your life and you sense he's been calling you to draw closer to him and you've never taken that step of baptism, Well, this is an opportunity for you. Or maybe you took that step years and years and years ago, but you feel led to do it again. And I'm not suggesting you need to do it again. I'm just saying nobody's going to get in your way. If this is a moment for you to make a faith declaration in your life and declare that you're going to follow God with all of your heart, I want to give you that opportunity as we close out our experience. So here's what we're going to do in just a moment. We're going to worship together and sing. We're going to have some baptisms happening on the stage. If any of you would like to be baptized, I just want to encourage you to come down front here with me. We've got our team gathering across the stage down front right now. And we're going to then, once everybody's down there, we're going to lead you around the corner to our baptismal area. We have one set up in the lobby. There's changing rooms and all of that. We can go out, we can celebrate with you, but this will be a great moment for somebody to take that step in your life. And I believe to mark what God has done in a powerful way. So would all of you stand together? with me let's sing and if you'd like to be baptized just step out wherever you're at and come down front and meet me right down here
to step out of the aisle, come down front. Let's celebrate these individuals as they get baptized. Come on, church, lift it up.